What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 49. I'm your host, Riley. This week, we are recapping the Open Championship. Colin Morikawa is your champion golfer of the year. He was fantastic. Uh, We're going to be getting into everything that he did over the week. His ball striking was like almost nauseating, to be completely honest. I was watching his rounds, obviously, Saturday. I mean, I didn't miss literally a single (laughs) minute of open coverage. I I woke up at, I don't know, 4.35 o'clock every morning and got my day started pretty damn early. But uh, his ball striking and performance was just unbelievable. I mean, every single shot just went exactly where he was aiming for the most part, I'd say about 90% of the time. And it was just incredible to watch like that would be fun golf would be a really fun game to play if you could just aim five yards left of every single target that you wanted to hit to play a cut every single time and it would just land pin high like his distance control with his irons was incredible uh and that was throughout the bag nine iron eight iron five irons from 210 were just landing at 205 rolling the 210 and it was just perfect it was unbelievable to watch him play golfs but we're going to talk about him obviously Jordan had a great week. We're going to talk about Louie. We're going to mention Rom for a second, but we're not going to really dive into Rom. We're going to uh, dive into Roars a bit um, just because we're getting a a lot of new listeners. If you guys, if this is one of your first episodes listening to the show, first of all, welcome. Second of all, we talk, I talk about Rory a lot whenever he's in the field. I talk about Rory a lot every single week. Uh, So get used to that. But we're going to talk about Rory's week and then um, just kind of the golf course how it played our expectations versus what it actually was. Uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, I thought the golf course was a little underwhelming going into the week. I saw nothing but really good things to be completely honest. And this can be put on a couple things, right? For the open championship, we're used to the weather being like a very, very big factor. But like I talked about on the show last week and what it ended up being throughout the week, I mean, it was perfect. Like it blew at 10 miles an hour, even less over the weekend it was sunny. There was no rain. Like we didn't get the weather. So when you get a Lynx course that doesn't get helped by the weather, you're going to make guys are going to make a lot of birdies. And that's what happened. Some guys made a lot of birdies and the golf course. It was just kind of, um, I don't know. The defense on social media was like, Oh, it's a really good golf course. Cause it produced a really good leaderboard. I just don't believe in that at all. I think Torrey Pines is one of the worst major venues ever, like in the bottom five major venues ever. And it created a fantastic John Rahm, Rory Brooks. Like we're all up there at the U S open like a month and a half ago, a month ago. I don't think that has to do with anything of the golf course. Like if it's a major championship, the best players are going to rise to the top. The, the players that are playing the best golf at that moment are going to rise to the top. I don't think it has anything to do with the golf course. Like maybe a little bit at Royal St. George is more than Torrey Pines, just because some of the best ball strikers in the world at a Lynx golf course ended up being at the top. Like Jordan, Colin Morikawa and Louis Uzdason are as good as it gets with their irons. And that's what kind of prevailed at that golf course. So I could say that maybe, but again, that's more style of play, not the golf course. So I don't know, it was a little underwhelming. It definitely wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I don't know also if that has to do something with just how the TV portrayed it. Um, It was, you know, quirky, I guess there was a lot of undulation. And if you hit the middle of the fairway, sometimes it didn't even end up in the fairway, which I thought... I don't know. I don't know if that's even quirky. I think that might just be like kind of like stupid, but 
maybe not stupid, but I just, if you hit a good golf shot, I don't think you should be punished for hitting a good golf shot. Like that's just how it is, but golf's unfair. So I kind of get it. But overall, I thought the golf course was a little underwhelming, but we're going to get to that. Luckily we're going to a golf course next year where hopefully the wind and the weather is bad because if it's not, the guys are going to shoot 30 under, but we're going to St. Andrews uh, next year. So that's going to be way better. We're going to talk about all that later in the show. And then this week, we are in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, pronounce it right, kid, uh, for the 3M Open. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's kind of a weak field, not that great. There's only six or seven really good names in the field, and then it dips down a lot after that. And the golf course stinks. TPC Twin Cities is one of the worst golf courses they play on the PGA Tour all year long. It's a TPC golf course, so it's going to be in really good shape like all TPC golf courses are. But this one is just really poorly designed. There's hazards everywhere, even though like some of them don't even make sense. They're not even the in the right position. Like they're just really, really bad. So we're going to talk about that um, at golf tournament, obviously going over the betting breakdown, key stats, and some guys to watch for the week. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll hop into some headlines here. So Seamus Power wins the Barbasol Championship. And he was, before this win, actually before the last several months, he was on the verge of losing his tour card. He was playing awful. He was missing cut after cut from September to the end of February. He made six starts on the PGA Tour and only made one cut. He just struggled with his game. He finished inside the top 25 at the Puerto Rico Open, and that's when it kind of jump started for him since the his start at the AT&T Byron Nelson um he finished inside the top 20 in five straight starts entering this week totaled up those FedEx Cup points and now he is just good to go for next year which is huge for him even even before this week and that included three top 10 so he was playing some serious golf and then this week he outlasted JT Post in a playoff for his first PGA Tour win obviously his exemption is good to go for a couple years um he ended up winning on the sixth playoff hole which I saw this on Twitter but holy shit with golf tournaments this year when they go to a playoff they go to a playoff like the travelers was what six seven eight I don't even remember I just know it was a fuck ton and then this week again six playoff holes to get the job done ridiculous to be fair to JT it, he had one hand on the trophy on this one he got unlucky with a drive I believe it was on 15 maybe 15 or 14 I think it was 15 found out of bounds by a legitimate inch his ball was out of bounds had to go back to the tee play a second one he ended up double bogeying he played his last four holes at plus three before this week though he just shot, showed just no signs of good play just none you have to go back to the Waste Management Phoenix Open for his last top 20 for Poston. Just not great. He had a couple top 30s from before then, but just missed a bunch of cuts. Um, it was a good tournament. A lot of people were actually saying that the Barbasol was better than the Open. That's where I have to disagree. The Open Championship was a major, and it was sick. Um, maybe it was a little less dramatic coming down the stretch than it should have been. Obviously, we'll get to that in a minute. But the Barbasol, for being a opposite field event, was pretty damn good. So Power gets his uh, first PGA Tour win. So you always like to see that. Um, if you guys remember, Big Mike, who was the player that got into the Valspar Championship due to Monday qualifying, uh, Justin Thomas ended up giving him money to not sponsor him, but um, just for him to further his golf career, whatever. And yesterday, he won. 
He he hit a five foot uh, five foot putt on the last hole uh, over the tournament. He shot 62, 64, 67, I believe, were his totals. Ended up winning, and he won fifty grand, which is pretty funny because that's actually more money than Justin Thomas won this week at the Open. So that's like his first big win of his career. I think it was at like the Waterloo Open or something like that. So hopefully that's a stepping stone for Big Mike to get more experience and maybe a couple more opportunities at the PGA on the PGA Tour if he Monday qualifies anymore. But I thought that was pretty cool. And then some LPGA news. Um, Jutanagarn sisters won the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. This was a cool tournament. It was a team event, pairs. And every other day they played alternate shot, then best ball, alternate shot, best ball, which was pretty cool. I actually don't know which one they played first, so I don't know which one the last day was. Probably best ball, though, because I think they won with their second 59 of the week. So best ball had to be last because alternate shot, that would be playing some fucking golf. So I'm guessing best ball was the last, was um, on Sunday. But that's cool for the sisters to get the W there. But those are the headlines for the week. So let's jump into the Open Championship recap. Obviously, Kyle Morikawa is your champion golfer of the year. Held off Louie, held off Jordan Spieth, really. Louie didn't have that great of a day, which we'll talk about him in a minute. But pretty much held off Spieth. He was just nails all day long. This is his second major championship in less than like 365 days. Obviously, the first one came at the 2020 PGA at Harding Park. And the records that he tied set this weekend are just ridiculous. This is all from Justin Ray on Twitter. First player to win two different major championship debuts, the PGA and the Open. Fewest major starts needed to win twice since Bobby Jones. Second to win the Open and PGA Championship before the age of 25. The other one to do that is Eldrick. Youngest to win Open when trailing entering the final round since 1979. That was Seve. Third all-time to win major third all-time to win multiple majors when trailing through 54 holes before age 25, Nicholas and Jones. 10th to win Open debut and first to do it since Ben Curtis in 2003. And the fourth American to win the Open before age 25, Spieth Woods Jones. Elite company for Colin Morikawa. He was unbelievable. He only needed eight major starts to win two. That's the fewest since World War II. The kid was just unbelievable. I already mentioned his ball striking. And everybody saw this stat on Twitter, Golf Channel, NBC. They were showing it all over the place. But the gap between Colin Morikawa and second place in strokes and approach this season on tour is as big as second to 55th. The way that Colin Morikawa is striking the golf ball, the way he's playing his approach shots, are something that we haven't seen since an early Tiger Woods. And that is very, very dangerous because I mentioned it all the time on the show, especially when it comes to like major championships and when he won a concession, we talked about it, but thank God for everybody else on the PGA tour that call Morikawa usually most of the time is just not that good of a putter, right? He's just not that good of a putter. I think he's like 170th maybe in stroke same putting. If he was even average putter, if he was inside the top 80 in putting, he would win five events a year. Just because his ball striking is always going to be there. He's always going to have looks for birdie. And he just doesn't putt it that well. But we've seen when he does putt well, he wins major championships by a couple shots. Like it is insane. But his ball striking is just on a different level. All week, the ball was ending up pin high and just a couple yards offline. It was 
just insane. His proximity numbers were insane. And especially over the weekend when I was able to watch most of his round or all of his round rather every single shot, he was just setting up a little left hitting a cut and it was just perfect. And that kind of goes to the point where a lot of amateur golfers and even he does a little bit, but not, I would say 2% of the time, 5% of the time he hits a draw. I haven't even seen Colin Morikawa hit a draw ever, but I'm just assuming he has to hit it at some point. A lot of guys want to be able to move the ball both ways, create different shots, and that's fine. Whatever. Tiger does that. A bunch of guys want to work it both ways. But when you look at Colin Morikawa, he just hits a cut every single time. He knows that the ball is going to fall to the right as soon as it hits its apex. And that is a very big thing for him. Could you imagine having the confidence of just having your swing and knowing it is going to fall to the right? You can just aim. If it's a tucked left pin, you can just aim at the edge of the green left and it's, you know it's going to fall to the right and you're going to have 10 feet for birdie. That, golf would be so much fun if you just could do that. If you just know you could aim left and it's just going to fall to the right and you know you're probably not going to double cross it. I don't know if I've ever seen Colin Morikawa hit a double cross. His consistency with ball striking is a nauseating. I wish. It would be really cool. And the, the other thing with him over the weekend, which is his poise under pressure. And it was mentioned on TV a couple times. But the kid has this, like, oh man, I hate to bring Tiger up again, but he has this Tiger thing where when he's playing, he doesn't give a shit who he's playing with. He doesn't care if it's his best friend, a guy that he's never played with before, a guy that he plays with all the time. During the final round, Kyle Morikawa has that Tiger, Killer, Kobe, MJ type shit where he is not your friend on the golf course. We can smile, have a good time off the golf course, but Sunday at a major, do not talk to me. Locked in, he is just going after it, getting down to business, and it was incredible. Like the putts he was hitting under pressure on on sat, on Sunday were crazy, which we'll get to in a second. But he was just ridiculous. His mental his mental game is incredible. And that is also off the tee. Like his ball striking and his mentality off the tee are just crazy. Left side of the fairway, cut it off the left side right in the middle of the fairway almost every single time. Like it's, it was insane. And the big moments, as I mentioned, is putting the biggest moments for him were 14 and 15 yesterday. 14, little short left of the green going forward on the par five. Hits an okay chip. The location of the pin was back right, and they had the little ridge probably, I don't know, eight feet short of the pin, and you had to get that over that, or it was going all the way back to kind of the front of the green. He didn't get it up the ridge, went down the slope, Ended up having, I don't even know how long it was, 20 feet maybe. It might have been um, more or less than that. And he just drains it. Center of the cup. It was perfect. And when I saw that, I was like, Colin Morikawa was going to win this golf tournament. And then on 15, hits the fairway and has a decently long approach in. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was around 190, if I remember correctly, maybe 200. And it looked like he hit a great golf shot. Like he was even looking at it, whatever. It ends up going way long into a shitty lie. Like the thick stuff, the hay, the fescue, it was in that shit. And that was the first time where I was like, if Jordan can make, make a birdie coming up here on 16, 17, 
and Colin bogeys this hole because this is going to be a very tough up and down. Like we all of a sudden have a golf tournament. And then instead of trying to get cute and leave it short and it comes right back into the rough on him, he takes his medicine, flies it right around pin high, and it goes out to about 10 feet. And obviously with Colin, he's been putting fantastic all week, but with Colin, his putter is sometimes not there. And those are the kind of putts that you see it on those 10, 12 footers where it's like, oh, this guy has no shot. And he just absolutely buries it. And as soon as he buried that par putt, they could have ended the tournament right there. That was going to be Kyle Morikawa won that golf tournament with that shot. That, for me, the putt on 15 was it. Absolutely was it. After he wins, uh, he almost makes the long putt on 18 to win, taps it in. His speech was fantastic. Just an absolute classy guy. Um, shouted at the low am, which I thought it was awesome. Uh, the 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 Euro fans were um, having a field day with him, calling it the British Open, which I thought was pretty funny. But just an absolute class act. And what makes it even better was I didn't end up recording a uh, range video for the YouTube and for everybody um, this week. I've been sick for the last couple of weeks. If you guys can't hear it, it's still in my voice a little bit. I'm going to be drinking a lot of water. Just adds up. Um, actually. Good cue. Gave me an excuse to just sit on the couch all day, though, and watch the open when you're sick and feeling like shit. But he was one of the um, outright picks. He wasn't in the uh, betting article, but on Twitter, I'm going to start doing this like every Wednesday, every Wednesday afternoon, probably just tweeting out four outright picks because they're not included in the betting article. They'll just go on Twitter. <coughs> but... He was one of them, which was awesome. So we'll take that. I think that's our third outright pick of the year. We had Max at the Genesis, JT at the Players, and now Colin at the Open. Uh, we also had Jordan in there. So getting the first and second player, we'll take that. The other two were Rory. Obviously, we'll talk about him in second. And then Kiz, who actually had a solid first couple of days. And then just, I think he shot uh, 78 on Saturday. And he ended up like, <laughs> he played by himself the last day. Not great. Um, and he actually, which was surprising because before the tournament started, there were a couple articles saying that Colin had comments about like the turf interaction. He couldn't figure out why he wasn't hitting it solid enough or the clubs weren't going through the turf in the right way. But he actually made a couple changes to the bag, which you probably saw on social media. If you follow like golf and golf digest or whatever, um, he had P seven thirties from seven iron to pitching wedge, which if you guys aren't familiar with TaylorMade or just like their, um, their blade model, like a lot of the like Rory Protos or DJ Protos, they kind of look like that. Uh, not so much, not as bladey as like Tiger Woods's clubs, but kind of in that realm. But before the open, he changed seven, eight, and nine to the P7 MCs, which are a little bit more forgiving. They got a little meat to them a little bit. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the TaylorMade guys have the, um, what am I, the P7. Oh my God, what are the blade ones? Drawing a blank on what those are. The MBs, maybe? Muscle backs. In the like pitching wedge through seven because they're like really, really bladey. And then the MCs with their longer irons because they got that little bit of a little bit of a little extra muscle on the back of them. But he changed his short irons to that as well. I think he kept, he kept the pitching wedge as a P uh, 730 though, just for a little bit of more forgiveness. Cause I guess at the Scottish open, he was uh, having a little trouble finding the center of the club face. 
<coughs> and he didn't know why. So he got these in his hand and he was just puring everything. So I guess that's a really good opportunity to change your golf club. So if you pure everything, you might as well put it in the back. He also added a little weight to his putter. He uses a Juno putter from TaylorMade. He added a little bit of weight to it. He wasn't the only guy to do that. Rory did the same thing with his Spider X. With slower greens to help you get the speed better, you just put a little bit more weight in your putter, and that kind of cancels everything out. You make the same stroke, but the weight makes it go a little bit further. And then he also changed something about his grip, too, thanks to his caddy. On these slower greens, you need to get it there with 25, 30-foot putts. So with the longer putts, he actually changed to a conventional grip. Recently, Colin, I think starting at concession, went to like a saw grip. And for longer putts this week, he went to conventional. But anything inside, I think, 20 feet, he went with a saw grip just a little bit more stabilizing. And his caddy pointed that out. And it was funny because... I think, what was it about his putting at the PGA that the caddy also changed? And then he led the field in strokes game putting that week. Just ridiculous. Um, this week, he led the field in putting average. They don't do um, strokes gained on the European tour, but putt average is, I think it's just like putts per greens of regulation, I'm pretty sure. For the year, he's 124th in that category. This week, he was number one. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but he's 170th in strokes gained putting on the year um, on the PGA tour. So... I've talked about it and I just mentioned it, but if when Colin Morikawa putts well, and Brandel Chambly said this on Golf Channel from live on the open, I think, um, before the week started, <coughs> he just has to putt average and he's going to be in golf tournaments. If he can just be in the middle of the pack stroking putting wise, he's going to be inside the top 10 and then his ball striking can just take over and he can make a bunch more birdies and win the golf tournament. And that's what happens. You saw it at concession. You saw it at the PGA Championship, and now you saw it at the Open. And just huge wins this season for Colin Morikawa. PGA, a WGC, and now another major championship. Just unbelievable. It was awesome to watch him play golf. Uh, so congratulations to Colin Morikawa. It was sick. Sorry for all the drinking, but I'm not going to be able to talk through the whole thing if I don't do it. Mr. Speed, the runner-up. Um, like I mentioned, he was one of my outright picks. I just think, and I tweeted this also from Twilight Nine. If you guys aren't following Twilight Nine on Twitter, go for it because I'm going to start hopefully being a little bit more active on the Twitter. That one's like kind of the one that gets pushed aside a little bit. But <clears throat> Jordan Spieth is at his best when he can be creative. At some golf courses that are just template golf courses, try to straight little dog leg, whatever, hit the fairway, hit greens, and make putts. He can start thinking a little too technique right? He gets into his golf swing. He's thinking about where his arms are, where everything has to happen. But at a Lynx golf course where you need to use the undulations, you need to use the terrain to get the ball close to the hole, you all of a sudden kind of throw it out the window and you just play golf. And that's why Jordan Spieth plays so well at these Lynx golf courses in the open because that's where he thrives in when he gets to putt over undulations and use the slopes to get the ball close to the hole with the wedges you got to do the same thing fairway you just got to find it use it fit in between bunkers the target lines become a lot more easier to see with that kind of stuff when he's able to be imaginative and creative that's where Jordan Spieth is at his best and I think out of all the majors I think that's why Jordan probably for the rest of his career <clears throat> he's always going to like Augusta National. He's always going to play at Augusta National. That's his favorite golf course in the world. But I think his playing style fits the open the best. And I would not be surprised at 
the end of his career if the Open is the one that he's won the most. If he has the most clear jugs in his closet, that would not surprise me at all. He looks a lot more comfortable with the driver, which is really good to see. That's what really hurt him when he was playing really bad. He was just off the planet with the driver. He couldn't get anything going. He was hitting draws. He was hitting cuts. He was moving it both ways. I like that for Jordan. Uh, to make it even better, I don't know if I wouldn't just have Jordan hit one shape off the tee. Just have a draw. Just have a cut. You saw it with Kyle Morikawa. He just cuts everything. I wouldn't mind seeing Jordan. I know he wants to be creative with everything, but I think especially... Move it both ways in the fairway. That's fine, especially if you're trying to be creative. But off the tee, anything just to get in the fairway, if he's comfortable hitting a cut or a draw, I would stick to one of them. But he likes it to move both ways, so that's with him, obviously. <coughs> the thing that's going to loom large for Jordan, though, is his finish on Saturday. Right, Bogey's 17, Bogey's 18 after missing a, what, two-foot putt. Sprints off the sprints off the green, goes right to the putting green with calm, um, with his... McCormick there, his coach. And I think the open Twitter account tweeted out that after or between the end of his Saturday round and the beginning of his Sunday round, I think he hit 500 putts to get that stroke dialed in. And his stroke did look a lot better on Sunday. It looked fine. But that one was a little, not as bad as Will Zalatoris on Thursday, which was fucking hilarious. But the stroke on Sunday on 18 looked that was looked awful. So you can see he was really disappointed. Obviously, that finish was the difference. It was two shots. So that's a bummer for Jordan. But again, just another really good week, another really good um, open performance, another good major performance. I am sure that Speed's name will going will be going back on that Claire Jug at some point. He's just going to be a problem at the open every single year for the rest of his career because that's it. Just matches the play style so well. Uh, T three Louis. Um, second T2, T3 at the last three majors. Uh, it's just becoming like he's, this is what Louie does. Um, he just didn't have enough in the tank to get it done on Sunday. He didn't really have just anything going. Um, he was losing irons to the right a lot on Sunday afternoon, which you just didn't really see the rest of the week. It, it's just disappointing, obviously. He was in the mix at the PGA. He was in the mix. John Rom stole it from him at the U.S. Open. And now this was the first time, I think he shot, what, plus two on Sunday? All the other ones, he played fine. Somebody just played better than him. This one felt like he lost this one, right? He shoots two over or whatever it was and then ends up losing. This one feels like he lost this golf tournament, which was a bummer. Um, he did almost ace that par three coming home, which that would have been fucking hilarious. He hit the pin from what, like 252? That would have been freaking sick. That would have made things a lot more interesting, but he ends up in a tie with John Rahm, who made an impressive run on Sunday to finish inside the top five. He was one of the ones, I think he was at, what, seven under start the day. So he needed a low round. It just wasn't low enough. Uh, he made a bunch of birdie, birdies on the back nine, but he just didn't start quick enough. And then my guy, Rory, he just didn't have the week that everybody was hoping for, or at least that he was hoping for. Oh, my God, my throat's going to fall out. And before the week, he got there early. Um I think I mentioned that on the show last week, actually, but he got there early. He got there Sunday. He actually even played around on Sunday. And in his first press conference of the week, he said he found something in his swing during the Sunday practice round that he hit it really good at the range, really good on the course all day in preparation on Monday and Tuesday. And then I guess you could say it kind of carried over to the tournament. Um, it was funny. He started with a birdie, which was sick. Uh, I was like, oh, boy, let's fucking get after it. 
And then I think he ended up making like three bogeys in a row from like five to eight or five to seven or something like that. Uh, he ended up making 17 birdies for the week, which was high up in the rankings for the amount of birdies. Uh, to put it in perspective, Colin only made two more than him, but made too many mistakes. He made a double. He had a bunch of bogeys. Um, some of them were mental. Some of them were just like weird miss clubs. He was coming up short right a lot, even though that he looked like he was striking the ball well. It was kind of just like fluttering up into the air, into the wind. He wasn't hitting that like penetrating low shot. Everything was just high and right which was weird because the swing looked good and it looked like he was striking the ball well. He had a couple weird ones with wedges into par threes where just fanning them. But, and then some were just putting. Some of some of the misses he had with the putter with this week were just like inexcusable, especially like 10, 12 footers for birdie. I mean, he could have made, he had 17, he could have made 25 birdies this week. Like it was just sucked. Um, again, his swing looked a lot better. It looked a lot freer. And the thing with the putter, though, it looked like the putting stroke was fine. It looked like you just wasn't reading putts well, which I guess you could say is better than having a shitting putting, shitty putting stroke. But, I mean, you got to be able to read putts. And that's the thing. Like, he's bad at reading putts, and he made 17 birdies. So, I don't know. If any of you guys are also Rory fans, this is just what we got to go through. Um, it's frustrating. He makes a lot of birdies, but he also makes a lot of bogeys. Saturday was fun. I woke up early. I was up at whatever, 5.30 to watch him tee off at 6.05 a.m. on Saturday morning. And he opens up and he makes a turn with a 31. And that's when I was like, oh, shit. Let's fucking go. Our guy's about to make a charge. We're about to get in this thing. Even if he plays the back nine a couple under and he shoots six under for the day, a little 64 piece to enter Sunday with, that makes it interesting. <coughs> but, of course, in Roy fashion... Shoots 31 going out and shoots, what, 38 coming in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Saturday sucked. I mean, the first couple hours was sick, and then the second couple hours was awful. So that sucks. To get into the betting, we obviously lost the Rory top 10 bet, which stinks. Um, we lost Kiz top 40, who just blew up on Saturday. I mean, he shot two under on Sunday, but that Saturday round killed us. We had Reed top 20 who had actually missed the cut, which was a big surpriser to me. And then Jason Day also didn't play well, didn't have his best stuff. He missed the cut. We had him top 30. But we did hit Scotty Scheffler top 30 pretty easily, as well as uh, Brooks Kepka top 10, which was big. Uh, we lost 1.2 units with our position bets for the week. We lost three units on the Rory Jordan and Kiz outright. So we lost... 4.2 units before Collins win, but Collins win was plus 3,500. So that's 35 units. We won third, almost 31 units for the week, which obviously we'll take that. Um, having a winner pick in there, having a full unit is <laughs> obviously huge. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, that's our third winner of the season. Um, I'm going to start making a lot more winner picks. I, for some reason, I just pick winners like whenever I kind of just remember to include them but I'm going to make a point to definitely do it on Twitter so if you're not following us um, on Twitter I think it's just at Twilight Nine Pod I don't even remember to be completely honest with you um, but the winner picks are probably going to go up on Twitter just so kind of everybody can see it uh, I'm checking the Twitter right now because I honest to God don't know the username at Twilight Nine Pod it's in the link tree in the Instagram bio anyway but that's where the winner picks are going to go but we had a pretty solid week obviously betting because picking the winner is huge but let's jump into the 3M Open, um, I guess. I'm really not excited for this week, especially after the Open Championship. And especially since we have to wait over, what, 200 days for the Masters. 
we got spoiled with seven majors in the last like eight months. Now we got to wait our normal gap, and I'm just not exact excited about it. Um, the 3M Open, Minnesota. The field is weak, and the golf course is easy. That usually makes the betting very, very difficult. Anything can happen in one of these golf tournaments, which is um, it's kind of like the John Deere Classic, right? The course is really easy, and the in the field sucks. So like anybody can end up winning, and that's kind of what's going to happen this week. Uh, field Dustin Johnson, he just had a solid performance at the Open. I actually forget. I know he made some birdies late. Uh, what did he end up finishing? Oh, he had a top 10. So that's even better than I thought he did. Um, I don't know why he's here. I don't know if it's for, for more FedEx, FedEx Cup points, just more reps, trying to find some form, whatever, going into the playoffs soon. Going in, we have another WG some coming up in a couple weeks. But he have, opens at the betting favorite at plus 750, which is no surprise. After another top five in a major, Louis is here, trip over the pond. Um this season, his like major performances have been highlighted, but he's also like just done really well in other just normal PGA Tour stops. He had a T18 in Memorial and top 10 at the Valspar. So he's just playing good golf overall. Other big names in the field include Tony Finau, Matty Wolf, who won this tournament back in 2019, uh, Patrick Reed, Gary Woodland, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia. Don't see, be surprised if you if we see some WDs from this field later in the week or even tomorrow or tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday when you guys are listening to this. It might even come later today, Monday. But don't, don't be surprised if you see some guys uh, pull out of this tournament, especially DJ. DJ, <laughs> DJ does that sometimes. He like blames like an injury even though nothing's wrong. So watch out for that. Uh, the golf course, TBC Twin Cities, par 71, 7,431 yards. Bent grass greens. Um, like I said, I let me get this off. I love Arnold Palmer. He's one of my favorite golfers of all time, even though I've just never watched him play golf, but I think he's sick. This golf course, he designed this golf course. Um, it stinks. It's just really, really bad. Um, I was reading an article, actually. I forget where it was from. Um, it was like the Sports Gambling Network or something. One of their writers on that website, I was reading an article because I wanted to dive into the course a little bit. He said, and it was really funny, he said that this golf course is like if you gave an 11-year-old a can of Mountain Dew or a, a two-liter of Mountain Dew, gave him a game controller on like 2k golf and just said create a golf course like he put bunkers everywhere water everywhere let's put traps here and all this kind of shit so this golf course is just not really well designed the condition's going to be really good it's a tpc golf course so we have that to look forward to but it's just not that good defending champion is michael thompson again uh maddie wolf won here in 2019 in his third pga tour start which is still ridiculous this is the only uh the second playing of this tournament Weather, Tuesday, 93, partly cloudy, 19% chance of rain blowing 7. Wednesday's 91 degrees, 12% chance of rain blowing 12. Thursday, first tournament day is 94, partly cloudy, uh, no rain blowing 9 from the south. Friday, 94, partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain and blowing 10. Saturday is 95, isolated thunderstorms, 32.32% chance of rain blowing 8. Sunday is 94, sunny, no rain blowing 9. So Sunday, these guys are going to make be making hella birdies. Hopefully the rain um, holds off on Saturday. Hopefully it's isolated enough that it doesn't go over the golf course. But we should be pretty good. It's going to be hot as shit. So the ball is going to go a little bit further. So guys that usually average around like 295 off the tee, you should see their driving average over 300 this week. The ball is going to fly in these in the high conditions for sure. Uh, key stats. Um, one of the things that I saw Justin Ray on Twitter. 
he tweeted out TPC Twin Cities had the second most approach shots hit by the field from 175 to 200 of any course on tour in 2019 to 2020. Only PGA National had more in that span. So that area is going to be huge. Um, it's one of those golf courses that just yields a bunch of birdies. So you need to putt well. You need to have a hot putter this week. You need to keep up in the birdie department. And this golf course received a lot of rain over the summer. Just this area in general received a lot of rain. So it's going to be soft. The greens are going to be receptive. Dudes are going to be going over there with wedges, spinning the hell out of them, giving themselves a lot of birdie opportunities. So you need to keep up. This is going to be a putting contest. With hazards all around this place, I already kind of mentioned it. You need to be hitting the fairways. I think they were hit over 60% of the time the last couple years. You need to hit fairways. You just need to find them. So accuracy just premium this week. Um, and I was also reading that with this golf course, unlike the open, you don't really need to like angle yourself in certain parts of the fairway. Like if you're in the fairway, you can just go with flags. So that's what I mean. It's not, you need to be in the fairway, but that's all you got to do. Like if you can just hit fairways, you're going to be able to make a bunch of birdies. And the two winners, Wolf is a bomber. Thompson is a great wedge player and a great putter. It just, is open to anybody winning this golf tournament, pretty much. Sorry, my throat's fucking dying, fighting through this shit. Ugh, data golf information, course fit. Uh, Nine Bridges is number one. TPC Summerlin is number two. No surprise to have another TPC golf course in there. And then Monterey Peninsula is number three. Trending of the players in the field, Louie, last three starts, solo second, T42, tied for third. Uh, Hank... Libiota, T5, T4, T8. That kid is playing some golf. He's uh, going to be one of our players to watch here in a second. And Lucas Herbert, win, T4, miscut. Percent chance to win, baseline, course history, and fit. Louis Uzdazen is at 6.3% chance to win. DJ is at 5.3, and they actually like Patrick Reed at number three at 4.8%. Uh, betting odds. Dustin Johnson is the betting favorite at plus 750. Louis Uzdazen at plus 15. Tony's at 16. Patrick Reed's at 19. Sergio all the way down at uh, 29. Matty Wolf is at 3. Bubba Watson's at 31. Tringali's at 31. If you keep going down, Ricky's at 44. And uh, Dylan Fratelli's at 44 also. And then some other names pop in there. Uh, hopefully, we can convert on a couple other position. I would love that be up in units this week. So hopefully we can target some good guys. I think I only have for you guys today four. Um, I don't know how many are going to be on the card yet. Um, but obviously that stuff will come out as you guys are listening to this today, somewhere in the afternoon. Uh, the very first one, we're going to start with a guy that we've won some money with the last couple of weeks. And that is Mav McNeely. He's entering the week with four straight top 30 finishes. Three of those are being T21 or better. His last start came at the John Deere Classic where he finished inside the top 20. That could have easily been a top 10 or even better if he did anything on Sunday. He made 18 pars on Sunday, which is not great, uh, especially around that golf course where you needed to probably shoot five, six under just to be in contention on Sunday. The kid is just finding fairways right now, which is really big. His season-long number just isn't that impressive. He ranks, I think, outside the top 100 in driving accuracy. But his last three starts, 73%, almost 77%, and 68%. So he's just hitting a lot of fairways. And his greens and regulation number are just even better than that, with his worst number over his last three starts being 71%. So the kid is just playing very efficient golf. Over his last 24 rounds, his strokes gain numbers... 
He is 30th putting, 26th off the tee, 48th ball striking, 25th total, 102 approach, which is still in the green in the light green according to Fancy National. The kid is just in a really good place with his golf swing right now, especially with the putter. He's always one of he can just roll it. Mav is a fantastic putter, which is huge. His proximity numbers over his last 24 rounds aren't great, but he is 15th from 150 to 175, so that's just inside the most important distance. He does drive it nearly 300 this week because of the warm weather. It'll even be more than that, so I think he's going to have a lot of looks between 150 to 175, and he loves that area, so he should have a lot of chances at birdie, especially with the number of fairways that the kid's hitting. He's at plus 4,400 to win. He's probably going to be one of our picks for a top 20. He might even be one of our outright picks. I just think he's due for a PGA Tour win. He came close at Pebble Beach. And uh, yeah, I just, the kid is just really, really talented. And he's a good putter. And that's what it, that's what it comes down to at a tournament like this. You just need to make a lot of birdies. Um, I mentioned his name already, but Hank Lebiota. Lebiota he, the kid's on fire. His last three starts, T5 at the Travelers, T4 at the Rocket Mortgage, T8 at the John Deere Classic. He also finished inside the top 20 at the AT&T Byron Nelson and Valspar Championship in May. During this stretch, Hank has hit fairways at a 66% clip, but at the John Deere, he hit over 71% of fairways. And also with the John Deere Classic, he hit nearly 80% of the greens. So the kid, again, just like Mav, is just playing very, very consistent golf. He's 13th in overall proximity over his last 24 rounds, and he's 8th from 150 to 175. The strokes gain numbers over his last 24 rounds are just really fucking good. 8th total, 13 short game, uh, 8th in putting, 39 in approach. He's just inside the top. 45 in pretty much every single category expect off the tees a hundredth off the tee but again he's not like a really long hitter so he's not going to gain as much just because of his distance he's been rolling it and hitting it close that's a recipe for a lot of birdies especially what he'll need around tpc twin cities uh he's played in this event in both the times he was t34 in 2019 t26 in 2020 He's at 40, uh, plus 4,700 to win. He's going to be probably another one of our top 20 picks. If we can get him at decent odds, maybe a top 30. But he's going to be another one. He might be one of our outright picks because he's just really hot right now at a golf course that just fits what he's doing well at the moment. That is a recipe for a win, I think. Another kid playing really consistent golf. You saw his name. Um at the open a little bit on Saturday, and that's Cam- Cameron Tringali. He's playing solid golf. Last five starts, T32. Sorry, I got to take a drink. My throat is killing me, bro. Being sick is the fucking worst. Like, during COVID, you were in a mask, and obviously that protects you from, like, COVID-19. But, fuck, it protects you from, like, getting colds and shit. Forgot how much getting sick sucks. I got to keep wearing my mask, I guess. Anyway, Tringali, last five star, T32, T26. He missed a cut at the Travelers, although he did shoot under par. T14, and then he just had a top 30 at the Open. On the season, he's 21st in strokes aim, putting 44th in approach. He's been a great wedge player over his last 24 rounds, ranking second in proximity from 100 to 125. Last year at this event, Cameron finished T3, which we love to see when a guy comes into good form with good history at a golf course, usually somebody that you like to target. He's at plus 3,100 to win, so we're probably going to have to put him in that top 20 range, but because of his recent play, I don't mind doing it. I know 
Only one of his last five have been a top 20, but in a weaker field at a golf course, you need to make a lot of birdies. I think that kind of fits. So that's probably where we're going to have to put him. Um, last guy that we're going to talk about until we get into one of the listener questions. It's rich. Actually, I got to look this up right now before we get into this. I got to look up the, the standings real quick. Um, Joel Damon is another guy. So he struggled in the last round of the open. I think he entered the final round four under and he ended up shooting plus four. He finished T 46, I believe. Um, I think this could be a good bounce back target for us for a top 40 finish. Joel had two solid starts before the last major of the year with a T21 at the Rocket Mortgage, T32 at the Memorial. He had a top 20 at the Wells Fargo a few months ago. And then he won at an opposite field event a couple months ago for his first free GA Tour win, which is something, you know, he's riding a little bit more momentum, which I like to see. Uh, I mentioned a tweet from Justin Ray earlier. This course forced the second most approach shots from 175 to 200 from 2019 to 2020 on tour. Only PGA National had more than that. Damon over his last 24 rounds is second in that range, 175 to 200. He loves that range, which is something we love to see. He's not the longest guy, so he's going to find that range a lot. And when you're really good at the most important range on a golf course, you're probably going to finish pretty high. He's struggling with the putter at the moment. I think he's outside the top 200 in strokes game putting over his last 24. But over that same period, he's 27th in scoring opportunities gained. So he's giving himself a lot of chances. If that flat stick cooperates at least a little bit, just average, he's going to make a lot of birdies because the rest of his game has been really good. Um, let me look up real quick what he is to win. I think he was like 96, I think 9,600. So he's, He's gonna be he's gonna be plus money for a um, for a top forty I believe which is really really good to see uh, because I just think that's a good bounce back spot for him to be in. Let's see. Ninety five. Plus 9,500. So that's a great spot for him to be at uh, for us to target him for a top 40 because a lot of guys like to do this, but people that had good weeks and had a shitty Sunday usually are able to bounce back quite nicely. Like you take the form from the first three days instead of the last one. So I like Damon to have a bounce back here. But one of the listener questions, we got a question from Michael uh, from TikTok, I believe, was the source of this one. He was asking about the FedEx Cup champion, if I had any ideas on who was going to win it. Looking at the FedEx Cup standings right now, um, no surprise, Colin Morikawa is number one, Jordan Spieth number two, Patrick Cantlay is three, then it's John Rahm, Harris English, Bryson, JT, Victor Hovland, Louis, and Xander rounds out the top 10. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with the when we get to Eastlake, how it is, I think number one starts with like a two-shot lead, and then everybody goes down in strokes. I don't know the exact like who starts at nine and all that kind of shit. Um, but that's how they do, started doing it now, just so you have an obvious look at who's winning and who's not. Before it, it was like only it was very, very strange how they did it. But the new format is really cool. So Colin, as it stands right now, would start with like a two-shot lead on Thursday at Eastlake. The name that pops out to me, um, obviously Colin is playing really good golf, and he starts with the lead, so he's the easier pick probably. Um, John Rahm at number four is easily probably playing the best golf in the world right now. So if he stays right around that position, if he stays inside the top five in the FedEx Cup, I think he could easily win. He's making a fuck ton of birdies and just playing really good golf. So John Rahm would be a good pick. I don't think Cantlay's going to win it. I don't think English is going to win it. Um, 
who knows with Bryson around Eastlake, he could win the thing. Um, JT, I just don't think is playing good enough golf to win. Victor, I don't think. Louis, no. Xander, no. Um, as of right, if I had to choose right now who I wanted or who I think would win the FedEx Cup, I think John Rahm. Um, I just think John Rahm could make more birdies around Eastlake than Jordan Spieth could. Um, not to be biased, but if I had to pick somebody like further down in the top 30, it would be Rory. Uh, he fucking loves Eastlake. Like he, he loves Eastlake. He's also a two-time FedEx Cup champion already, so he can already get it done. And he's won in both formats. He won in the old one, and then he came from way behind and beat, ended up beating JT at Eastlake a couple years ago. Um, actually beat down Brooks in the last round to get that W. He couldn't win from 25th. He's at 25th right now. He would have to have a couple good finishes at the Northern Trust and the BMW to kind of get him up the standings. But he loves Eastlake. Uh, can make a lot of birdies around there. But if you if you had to choose somebody inside the top 10, it would be John Rahm right now. The dude is just making so many birdies and he's playing ridiculous golf that it would have to be John Rahm. And fourth, you're only going to start, I think, uh, four back, I believe, four or five back, which could easily be could easily be done. So John Rahm would have to be the pick. But that's it for the show this week, guys. Um, my throat's killing me. Follow the Instagram at Twilight Nine Pod is the Instagram and the Twitter. Now that I know that Riley Hamill underscore is my personal IG. If you want to follow me on there again, if you have any questions for the show and want to be featured on the show, shout out uh, Michael from TikTok. Um, sending him email, DM, whatever. Uh, we're gonna start the listener pick segment, I believe, at the FedEx um, at the WGC in uh, where the hell did they play that tournament? Is that in Nashville? Might be in Nashville. That's in a couple weeks, but we're going to start then uh, for that segment. So if you want to be featured again, uh, Riley at twilight9.com. If you want to email me, DM, whatever. Uh, so we'll get that started in a couple weeks. But enjoy the 3M Open this guy uh, this weekend, guys. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I might take a break from golf and get ready for the Olympics because I can't wait for that. But enjoy the golf this weekend, guys. I'm going to go uh, rest my throat so I can talk after this because I'm dead right now. But thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.